All right. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Adam Parent. Adam is a realtor I've done business with for a while. He works with Maine Real Estate Company now. He's one of the top producing agents in the area, and he's a wealth of knowledge, great stories. We've done a lot of work together, like I said. I finally convinced him to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about his business, the things he's learned in his career. So if you are at all interested in the real estate world in Southern Maine, I think you'll really enjoy this podcast and everything that Adam has to say. So this is the Randy Forster Podcast. As always, it's available on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. If you could follow and subscribe on any of those platforms, I would appreciate it. Also on Facebook and Instagram, if you could follow those pages, that'd be cool too. So thank you so much for the support. Here's Adam. All right, I did it. I finally got Adam Parent on the podcast after 75 episodes. Thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been a long time. I am excited. Thank you so much for having me. We've been working together for, I don't know, since, since pretty early in both of our careers. How long have you been in real estate now? Just over 10 years. 10 years, man. It just goes by so fast. I feel like it was yeah. just yesterday that I was passing the state exam, to be honest. I know. And what a market it's been. That It's been a roller coaster in that 10 years. You know? yeah. so I want to talk about your real estate career, other things that you have going on. But I want to start with what got you into real estate. Like, What was the deciding factor for you that made you get into the business? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think like a lot of people, I think you fall into it, to be honest. And, you know, I was in graduate school, getting ready to graduate with my master's, and I figured I needed a job. And, you know, my wife, Kelly, we weren't married at the time, but it was like, we got to do something. And we had a good family friend that had been in, in real estate here in Maine for a long time, was a heavy hitter. And I just kind of saw the life that she was living and how she created. So I figured, how hard can it be? Right. Mm -hmm. So let's get licensed. And, um, I really did it intentionally as a backup plan until I could get my feet wet, you know, save a little bit of money and get a real job is what I would say. Mm -hmm. um, what was so that real was, job was, in your mind? Like, what'd you, what'd you go to school for? What'd you think yeah. you were going to be? My, my vision was to be a Dean of students. I got my master's in higher education. So I really wanted to be a Dean of students. I worked in student activities and admissions and I loved the college life. Mm -hmm. And that was really like what my end goal was going to be as a Dean of students. And like you said, you kind of fell into real estate. And I do think that that's probably true for most people. I feel like I kind of fell into this business. I feel like many people that we all work with and see every day kind of fell into the business, but it was just kind of a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It. I mean, unless you had family in it, I don't really know who's wakes up and is like, I'm going to be a real estate agent. I think like the media has perpetuated that desire now, but mm -hmm. 10 years ago, we didn't really have a lot of that stuff going on. Yeah. There's a lot of like social media stuff about real estate and HGTV and there. It, there is a little bit of glamorization of being a real estate agent, but it's obviously hard work. Like anything I mean, you get, there's good realtors, there's bad realtors, a bunch of people in between. So you kind of get what you put into it. Exactly. Um, so tell me about your career. Like what's been, you're obviously a successful realtor at this point, right? You've been doing business in this market. You're one of those names in the area in Southern Maine. People recognize it. What's been huge for you in your business, keys to success, things like that. I think the follow-up is the biggest thing. I mean, there's a corny saying that fortune in, is in the follow-up. And I think never judging a book by its cover and always following up with everybody. And that's not just potential buyers or sellers, but even, you know, colleagues, affiliates, you know, vendors, lenders, title companies, because you really never know who that next client is. And I think there's a lot of people, a lot of agents, whether they're newer experienced, kind of get stuck in that rut about, you know, I want to work in certain price points and I don't want to, you know, I want to 
spend my time to make the most amount of money. But I always tell agents that I'm coaching. And even at the beginning, because I was told this is like, never count your commissions. It doesn't matter what the commission dollar is going to be. It matters if that client is happy. Mm -hmm. And with a happy client, you're going to get so much more business out of it that it's going to be like good karma in a sense. Totally. So it sounds like just like focusing on helping people. Yeah, you really, I mean, that's our job. I mean, we're working with people's most valuable asset Mm -hmm. and the amount of money that people are spending on homes now and 10 years ago, I mean, that's big money. So I was, I literally watched a uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago and one of the agents that they were interviewing says, and I'm stealing this is I'm going to treat your money as if it's my money. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great statement. And now literally I'm integrating that phrase in my business because to, to, to kind of give an idea to clients that I'm not just, you know, going to be here to sell you a house. Like, I don't care what you buy. I want you to buy mm-hmm. the right thing. Totally. I kind of look at it the same way too. For me, it's, you know, you might have someone that's buying an $80,000 mobile home, which might be a stretch nowadays, but I've had people like that in the past to people buying, you know, million dollar homes. And to me, it's just a transaction because mm-hmm. you never know if it's an opportunity to help that person's cousin or mom or son or whoever, you know? So it's like, if you treat everybody the way you just said, I think it lends to helping you grow your business over time. Absolutely. So I, I, I mean, I recently had a closing that literally was an $80,000 mobile home. Mm-hmm. The parents were buying it for their kids and the parents have two houses on the Nubble in New York, oceanfront. You yeah. can't judge that, you, you you know, and that could be a potential business relationship that I have down the road. Yeah. Just through helping them buy that $80,000 mobile home. Exactly. I feel like I've heard like stories about that all the time too. So it, it certainly happens in this market. So now we're in the middle of a challenging market, right? You know, you're 10 years ago, 2013, right up until sometime last year, it was pretty like a pretty good solid market things got kind of crazy during covid like very very good and honestly things are still good on the real estate side of things i'm just maybe thinking of like the lending side of things but it's definitely a different market now than it was a few years ago and 10 years ago what's working well for you now that maybe wasn't working in the past are you doing anything different now given the status of the market yeah i mean we're definitely having to evolve i think when i got into the business we were just kind of coming out of that recession so i didn't have as much you know, trouble there, but it was still the challenge. And now you you come into COVID and COVID did some amazing things for the real estate economy globally. But I think Mm -hmm. also here in Maine, it just blew up. We really became a destination state. Though people were selling a lot of homes, we still needed talent, right? Because Mm -hmm. sellers wanted to sell, buyers wanted to buy, but people were afraid to be homeless. So it took some skill and talent between all agents to get that deal done. As now we're progressing into, you know, 2023 and what's this winter going to look like, I think we have to be more intentional of our conversations with our sellers because sellers, a lot of the public, if they haven't been following it, really have been thinking, I can get 150 over list price like my friend did a year ago. Mm-hmm. And at this point, that's gone. I mean, we're seeing it maybe 1% of the transactions in, in the state of Maine, but the talent of us as brokers writing really good contracts is really crucial. And on the listing side, making sure as interest rates are, you know, 8% in some cases, making sure that that buyer is fully vetted, Mm -hmm. whether it's our buyer client or not, we have to make sure that because deals are falling apart and we're still seeing domino effects of sellers trying to buy out of States or in other homes. And as soon as we get one little wrinkle in that, it could really be devastating to the entire transaction. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, it's more important. Like you said, vetting the buyers, that's kind of obviously where I come into the picture. And more than ever, I think it's important to pre-approve borrowers where for a big part of my career, that wasn't as important of a thing. You know, pre-qualifications were fine and I'm not going to necessarily go into the nuance of that, but being pre-approved is very strongly vetting mm-hmm. a borrower and making sure everything is exactly the way they said. So when they make an offer, it's with confidence that it won't fall apart. But exactly. that's, you know, that's important from the buyer point of view, but it's obviously important for the seller point of view. They want people that, you know, are, are in that category of buyer. So exactly. And it's really, how can we navigate that as a listing agent? And I tell other agents, you know, to be a good buyer's agent or write a good offer for a buyer, you also have to wear a listing agent hat. What would a, a seller want to have? If you were representing that seller, what would you expect in, in that purchase and sale agreement? So that way there, we can get to that win-win and really have a solutions-based contract that makes sense for both sides. So in the past couple of years, when you talk about things like that, like what do we need to have on the contract? I've seen a lot of people, or at least on the buyer side, waiving inspections. Is that something that you're seeing nowadays still, or is that more, you know, something of the past couple of years? Yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing inspections coming back, you know, personally in my transactions or the, my colleagues that I'm seeing, I think maybe 50% of them are able to do an inspection. But then, you know, we do have that sweet price point, you know, 350 to 450 that you really have to take it as is in York and Cumberland County. I think if we creep further up north, you know, central Maine or whatnot, you can you can have a little bit more freedom for that. I am seeing seller concessions also come back, which is kind of, you know, an interesting position as the market is shifting. And I think that's, I kudo that listing agent, whoever that may be encouraging their seller to offer that to help, you know, whether it's a rate buy down or whatever, so mm-hmm. that way we can get kind of more buyers into the house. Because, yeah. you know, I'm I'm meeting with sellers and I'm telling them, hey, we got a plan for an inspection or let's have it pre-inspected to make it a little bit easier. Yeah. But at the same time, don't expect 30 showings. Don't expect mm-hmm. 10 showings. We might only get three or four and maybe one offer. And mm-hmm. that's the new norm. And what I'm talking with sellers about that maybe have listed with another broker in the past or whatnot is they're not hearing that truth. Because I think some agents may still fear, I can't be that honest because I'm going to lose that listing opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing that we've seen a lot of in the past was appraisal gap coverage for buyers. How has that been? Have you been seeing that still too, or has that kind of been going away? Yeah. What you're saying makes me think it's gone away, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I can honestly say I never had a buyer write an appraisal gap at all during COVID. Wow. Yeah. I personally, on the buyer side, I just never supported it. I never bought Mm -hmm. into it. Now, on the listing side of things, I expected (laughs) it a lot and a lot of buyers stepped up to the plate. I have a couple of listings going that have an appraisal gap coverage and they've Mm -hmm. all had to be used, which is surprising. So obviously appraisers are now, you know, maybe doing their job a little better. I don't know, but things are coming in light. So I think I bet by next year, we'll start seeing no more appraisal gap coverage at all. And it's just, it is what it is. Just another sign that the market's softening a little bit. Yep. So, and I think it's all good things, right? I think it's, it's, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, some of the agents that maybe got into the business for, you know, a get rich quick thing, they're finding that this is you know, a real job and it's hard. Anybody could have sold a house the past two or three years. And so now it's like, this is where the talent shines and the commitment to our career shines. Yep. How about escalation clauses? Do you see those a lot? I have not seen many in probably since the summer, to be honest. Is there like a bad connotation around escalation clauses or is there a spot for those in the market? 
Yeah, I do think that I remember back in the day, you know, when we had, we read an offer on a property and there was a second offer, the listing agent would present what's called a multiple offer notification form that essentially, hey, submit your highest and best by tomorrow or whatever. So now we've completely eliminated that opportunity. And now it's just come in with your best, with an escalation, tell the seller what you're willing to pay. And just know we may never get a competing offer, but we can still counter you at your highest price. Yeah, right. That's what I, that's one of the things I've heard. You can kind of yep. like just, yeah, basically cross it off and counter at the highest exactly. price. And, you know. and, what it, and, and my question is, is what is a buyer going to say? A buyer's homeless. They're living in a hotel. They just sold their house. There's nothing to buy. Well, they're kind of under pressure now. Like, yep, I'll do it, whatever. But to me, that's dirtying the experience with sellers. And that's dirtying the experience with other agents. Mm -hmm. Though they can do it and it's totally ethical. It's just, it's, it's dirty. It is. But it makes me think that that would just be the normal way that it's, it's yep. done moving forward. But maybe some buyers or listing agents don't even realize that that's a strategy to, I mean, I don't know how you wouldn't realize that, but it makes me in the past surprised that any borrowers that use escalation clauses in general got them accepted with the escalation clause and not just countered at the, the max of their escalation clause, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, that's an, it's an interesting thought. Pretty soon they won't even be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. With the way the market's going. Exactly. Another thing that's been big over the past few years or bigger has been social media in marketing as an agent. Yeah. Earlier this year, I don't know, was it this year that you made a concerted effort to to really focus on social media? It feels like it was, but it might have been a little bit earlier than that. Yeah, I would say, I think it was like last April. I, I follow several different influencers that I've met over different conferences. And so I had made an effort to like drop a video on social media. Monday through Friday. So five videos a week. And it was a whole another animal because we're selling so much real estate, but then let's add another layer into our business. And it was, it was an incredible experience. And I had to take a hiatus of doing videos because it's a lot of work, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and cause five a week, it's crazy. Five a week. So we were really, we were doing, you know, we were shooting in bulk twice a month for a couple of hours and getting at least 30 to 40 videos per shoot day. So that way that we can post them, schedule them and share them with every platform available. And it became a lot, but I'll tell you, it really, it, it kind of proved my position in the marketplace, right? Because people started recognizing me even more. Other agents that I haven't really even interacted with started recognizing my name. And I felt that it helped me in a way get transactions accepted. Mm -hmm. I don't, I would not say that it brought me listings or buyer contracts, but I think it, it put a stamp on like, yep, he's somebody I want to work with. Yep. Yeah. It's like a branding kind of thing. It is. And I kind of see the podcast that way for myself, maybe not directly with business because what I'm doing on, on the podcast isn't always mortgage related, business related. But like, I do think when you're putting yourself out online, you might not be able to say, yeah, I got a listing, I got a buyer from it. But like, it does create a further awareness of you not that people weren't aware of you in the market anyways, but like, I think it just gives you some cachet in the market. So when an offer comes across, they know that you're someone that's serious, that does business in it. And it may be a deciding factor in a very competitive market. I would people. agree. I yeah. think the the biggest reason why people should do more on social media is it really grew my influence too with out-of-state agents. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I sold 75 houses last year, which is probably what I sold last year, 12 of them were out-of-state direct agent-to-agent -agent referrals. Yeah. 
And that's huge. I mean, that's the easy, other than like your past clients and sphere of influence bringing a new business, another agent seeing you online, that's the easiest way to get a transaction. And, and like I think us as agents forget to, to like think that a Beverly Hills agent or a Montana agent is a potential client referral for us. Totally. And you said at the beginning of the podcast too, Maine is a destination for people. I mean, we've done countless transactions for people moving from wherever in the country in the world to Maine. And yeah, some of them come without an agent and you're able to capture them on your own, but some of them do have relationships from wherever they are and they are leaning on those people to make connections for them in Southern Maine. And if you're putting yourself out there, like you said, 12 transactions, you know, it's hard to say what those transaction amounts were, but I'm sure that, you know, in this market, that's a decent amount of income for you. Absolutely. Based on just having a solid online presence and catching someone's eye when they're looking for realtors from out of state. Exactly. Yeah. And I think doing social media marketing, you know, videos or whatnot, you can go very high level, which I don't even think I'm as high level. I'm fairly basic. I don't have a production team or whatever, or you could hire a production team, or you could literally just take a quick video every single morning and be that simple about it. It's just mm -hmm. consistency. I have a oh. friend in another state, he shoots a video every single day <laughs> and posts it. I mean, that's a, that's commitment and work, but he it built is. his business, brand new in the business from nothing to over 20 million a year with his average sales price of $180,000. Yeah. So There's worked. something to be said for consistency. Yeah. Absolutely. If you can systematize things, come up with topics and, and streamline it to make it like an easy thing, an easy part of your day, it can be a game changer for people. Absolutely. So. And I think yeah. the videos of whatever you're posting, you know, it's meant to kind of be, I think, something for people to talk about. Because if people are talking about it, they're they're bringing attention to you or your product or your house. And over time, I mean, that's going to help your client sell their, their property quicker, perhaps, if you're getting a lot of eyes on something. What was the interview series that you were doing earlier this year, too? There was yeah, I, la I launched a what's called Global Connections. And yep. really, I was picking agents from across the country just to get a take on how their market was doing. Mm -hmm. um, it was a referral play for me first and foremost, just to introduce other agents. But it also helped me get some intel as to, you know, what's happening in Michigan, what's happening in Arkansas or California. So I can share that information back here because a lot of Maine, I think, would say the market's crashing. We're going back into a recession. I'm never going to be able to buy a house. I'm never going to be able to sell my house, whatever. But they're listening to that global media. And yep. some of the feedback that I was able to get really isolated. Yeah, we're, they're seeing that in California, but we're still not there yet. You know, mm -hmm. we're very different from Michigan, but in the area of where that agent was specifically you're talking to, our markets are pretty similar. So it was good intel to go back to my potential clients that were maybe on the fence and give them, you know, more accurate information on a very micro level here yep. in Maine versus worrying what's happening in California. Do you find those people were pretty receptive to coming on, sharing their stories? And Yeah, it was yeah. really fun. I mean, I had some big, big players that, you know, are very social media famous, if you will. Really? Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I had met Glenda Baker probably two years ago. She was kind of my reason to start doing video. I was, I flew to her house for like a little a video conference, meeting there were 10 of us at her house in Atlanta. It was a quick overnight thing just to learn how she did it, motivation and I mean, she has more followers on social media than like the big players like Ryan Serhant, any of the real million dollar listing people. Yep. Um, so she was on it, which was brought me some good, you know, credibility because, awesome. you know, we're on texting terms. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> 
That's awesome, though. You know, you never know how those connections will benefit you in the short and long term. And it's something you can return to and check in with. And, you know, it's just great that you were able to reach out. Do you ever see yourself reviving it? Or was that a moment in time? And you're just kind of moving on for now? Yeah, I mean, I definitely see it coming back. I think the biggest thing for me is I need a play. I need a organize that better. I mean, we're so busy doing one thing and it's hard to do a hundred different things, but Mm -hmm. I enjoyed having those conversations and the feedback was great. I think I also tried to do it every week, which got a little challenging. So Mm -hmm. I think more streamlined, maybe it's a monthly thing, but it's definitely on the goal to come back to. Totally. So I do want to get to the current market in a second, but a big change for you is you're currently with main real estate company as of a couple weeks ago. This is a big move. Congratulations. Thank you. So I am now designated broker of Main Real Estate (laughs) And, you know, I've loved Bailey Pate. She, I mean, it's her vision behind the company and she is just, she's got a great vision and she's been working with her mom, Paula in Sydney for years and, Mm -hmm. you know, they've really helped shape it. So we had a good mastermind when I was getting ready to make a move and it literally fell into play. And I will tell you, I think the conversations that from what I'm hearing from other brokers and lenders and whatever is this is going to be a good partnership um, i'm really excited the agents on board are so funny like they're great mm-hmm. all walks of life and i think we're celebrating that we're celebrating mm-hmm. that uniqueness how we're going to be different and i will tell you and this is not blowing any smoke i think she's had meetings every single week with agents good big agents as well that are looking to make mm-hmm. moves because they're ready for something different yeah. and She's got the system down packed and mm-hmm. I'll be there to help kind of run business operations. It's exciting. Bailey is a known entity in our market. Yeah. I've done transactions with her before. She's obviously very good at what she does. Great at building a brand. So when you have someone like yourself able to partner up with her, be the DB, which is a big deal, I, which I didn't realize the first time we talked, which is exciting. It, it, the whole thing is great. And I love the the feel of the brand. Yeah. And you obviously have a bunch of agents that are already on board right now, never mind the ones that you're talking about. So exactly. definitely going to look forward to what you guys do in the next six to 18 months. It'll be, yeah. a, it'll be I mean, a fun doors time open. We'll, we'll open officially mid-November, beautiful space right over one Scarborough. So I'm excited for people to kind of see that. You guys going to do a welcome party or anything? For sure. For sure. Yeah, it looks great. It looks The outside looks great. Knowing how... Bailey does things I would expect the inside to be amazing too. So yeah. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. Awesome. So, all right. About the current market. What do you say when someone asks you, is now a bad time to buy? It's never a bad time to buy. Mm-hmm. I really think it's never a bad time to buy, but it has to make sense for you. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge right now is our younger buyers. And I'm not even going to use the word lower income buyers, because Uh if you're making 70 grand a year, that's great money. It's just, Uh unfortunately, it's putting them in a position where it's hard for them to buy today. But I'm trying to educate those buyers of you could be paying rent, sometimes more than your mortgage. The rates are scary, but I think the good thing is rates are never there forever, right? So we can find options, variable rates or refine a couple of years. If you can make it work today, we can make it work down the road. But I think with, you know, with the, the way we're seeing more inventory and the uniqueness of the market and lending restrictions, I think buyers can be a little bit more picky. And mm-hmm. I think that's okay, too. Yeah. I'm interested in the, the thought of, I think people refer to it as, you know, what, marry the home, date the rate, something yeah. along those lines. And the idea of refinancing down the road. I have this vision in my head that when rates do come down, 
that's going to be another push on prices. There's going to be that many more people that can afford to buy homes. So for that reason, like you said, if you're able to get into a home now, it's probably a little bit less competition going into this winter. Yes, rates are high, but it might not be rates in the sixes in six months, but you know, there is a time in the future, I believe that rates will come down. So I think there is an argument to be made to buy now, assuming you're not overextending yourself and you love the house and you need the house, you know, you have a family, you get married, you're having kids, like there's reasons to make it work now. I agree. And I think if it were me, right. I, I don't know. I think I'd rather buy a house at seven and a half percent interest rate and pay list price. Mm-hmm. Then, if I would have had to buy a house and pay one hundred and fifty thousand over and get a five percent interest rate, yeah. because I'm not saying values go down. I mean, real estate values are always going to go up and down, and I don't know if anyone's ever going to really lose a home as long as they keep it in the same condition. No. Um, but I'd feel a lot more confident knowing I didn't pay one hundred and fifty thousand dollars over a listing price, knowing that I, if I had to get out of my house, I could get out yeah. of it. Yeah. We've worked with people in the past that have had to pay one hundred thousand dollars over. Yep. Yeah, over listing price. And yeah, rates were a little bit better at the time. But yeah, yeah. So I agree that it's not in the right situation. It's not a bad time to buy all things considered, despite what the news wants you to believe, what social media wants you to believe. There are still transactions that make sense to be had. Yeah. How about for new realtors getting into the business? What's the one piece of advice that you would give them? They need a mentor or a coach. I think that is the number one thing. I mean, I don't know how any new agent can do this without that like really hand-in-hand support between contracts, just between working with a person. I mean, quite frankly, we're not taught you know, how to interact with a potential buyer or seller. So you really need that type of training and coaching to be confident about that. And mm-hmm. that is the biggest thing that I rely on. And the agents that I've coached over the years, and even in my new role, will be helping grow agents to reach their goals and potential. It's, it's having those fundamental people skills. I mean, this business is all people. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a personality, and if you can't engage with somebody, then it's probably not the career for you. Yeah. I think what you said about the coaching is huge too. I think it's more important than ever to align yourself with the right people in this business, people that are going to give you true leadership and coaching, guide you through things. The people that are newer into the business in the past few years, the ones that have had the most success, it's because they have a good mentor or they have a good coach or they're part of a good organization. So I don't know that it's easy for people just to kind of jump in without any of that on their own and figure it out. I agree. There, it's just, there's so much and there's so many ways and opportunities that you can get business, but there's also a lot of ways that you could lose your license. So for me, it's like, and people don't realize that, like our license is protected, but it can be pulled at any time. So you really want to stay out of real estate jail and make sure you're following everything to a T. Yeah. And it's easy to not do that if you literally have no clue what you're doing and no one guiding you sometimes. I mean, yeah, you can read all the books and take the classes and pass the tests, but like sometimes you need someone to lean on that can tell you if you're doing things right or give you guidance. It's important. So is that going to be a primary function of your role? I would say you're going to still be selling. Yeah, I'm still going to be selling real estate. I mean, still going to be leading a team. But one of like my passions really is kind of helping agents achieve their goals. So Mm -hmm. right now, you know, I've only been with Maine Real Estate Go for a couple of weeks. We have goal planning sessions. I've always been big with that. So Mm -hmm. agents are completing their goal plannings. We're going to be meeting one-on-one to kind of help them get them to the next level. And you know, holding them accountable because if agents want to produce at a high level and those are the agents we're looking for, then I want to get them there. Yeah. Well, listen, man, 
I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was a Thank long time you. overdue. You know, there's a lot of exciting things coming up for you. We've had a good, we've had a good 10 year run. Look forward to working with you in your new chapter and, you know, we'll have like, some, some good stuff ahead of us. Yeah. So. Thanks for the support always. And thanks for having me on. Awesome, buddy. We'll be in touch. All right. Have a good day. You too.